Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Welcome to another Arcade Attack. I'm Ooh. your host for today, Rob, and around me are Adrian. I'm here. And Dylan. Hello. And uh, today we're going to follow up on a, an episode we did a few weeks ago, our first ever film episode. Oh, man. And everyone enjoyed watching Street Fighter so much <laughs> that uh, we decided to do some in a film that's just as good as <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> that's... That's still an open a beer in the background. Cause <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I need to get drunk during this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, Super Mario Brothers, the first ever um, film to be based on a video game property. Yeah. 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 A single property, I think, because The Wizard, I think, was older, but that was just Nintendo in general, wasn't it? Yeah, that wasn't based on a particular yeah. game. This is the first year Rob's right. The Wizard's the 89, isn't it? I don't yeah, I think so. Yeah, but that is, that is, that's overarching Nintendo as a whole, isn't it? Whereas this is the first one that is mm. an intellectual I know Double property. Dragon was early, but I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it, Rob. Uh, I think it may have been a little bit, I think it might have been mid-90s, but... um. Anyway, uh, talking, we're going to the making and the background of Mario, uh, Mario Brothers film first, but, um, I thought since I'm guessing less people have seen this than have seen Street Fighter, we could go through the plot as we go yeah. and people could give their thoughts as we come along. Sounds good to me. Uh, yeah, even though I'm sure there's about a million, uh, let's watch things for Super Mario Brothers, I've not seen any of them, <laughs> so I'm going to assume no one else has either. And I'd never seen the film before this week. Wowza, really? <laughs> You're a change man. Are you actually kidding me? You never saw it when it first came out? Uh, I think it, I'd literally been in the country like three weeks, probably less. Holy moly. Oh, wow. This week has been, has been pretty immense for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been, um, it's been something. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, kind of go into the, uh, the movie, what happens in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the opening, oh, like, is a black screen. And then the music starts up. It is, uh, a kind of slightly adapted version of the Mario Brothers theme music. Oh, yeah. Which um, I quite liked, actually. And there's like a pixelized di- dinosaur animation to kind of tell you the main bits of the plot. Apparently, they had to put that bit in because no one could actually work out what the plot was or uh, basically what they were doing or why. Any of it. None of it really makes sense, which we'll get on to. But um, mm. it's like a little animation with di- talking dinosaurs yeah. telling you what happens. And... Um, mm-hmm. I th- what did you think of the animation? This wasn't great, was it? Let's be honest. 
you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the uh, di- the yeah dinosaur. Oh, Do you know what I mean? <laughs> It was just very bad claymation. It wasn't claymation. It was um pixely computer animation. Rubbish. Was it? I can't remember. It was terrible. It should have been. They should have gone all pixely. They all out pixel. Really, if they're going to do that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So anyway, the main plot which they explain is millions of years ago, a big meteorite hits the Earth, and the impact splits it into two dimensions. And in one of them, dinosaurs become the dominant species and evolve into essentially humans. Now, you know, it's, mm. I'm thinking, looking at this, this is pretty cool, but, uh, I'm no biologist. I'm pretty sure that makes literally no sense whatsoever. That makes no sense, no. I mean, pretty sure, uh, humans are mammals, like apes with mm-hmm. skin and we have eyes in the front of our faces, unlike lizards who, uh, have it on the side. Yep. Um, but I guess we have to let that ride. Let it ride, man. Let it ride. Let it wash over you. There's going to be a lot of times when I go, this makes absolutely no sense. You have to just let it go, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a bit on the screen that says, 20 years ago, so we're in the early 70s, and we're in New York, and there's a woman dressed like Little Black Riding Hood, like a kind of black hood, kind of running around New York or Brooklyn. The film's careful to differentiate the fact they're in Brooklyn and not um, yep. the rest of New York. Uh, yeah. Anyway, she's running around... Um, she drops a package off an orphanage and runs away. And when the nuns open the door, they find a, like, a package with a big green egg. Yeah. It looks like a cross between, uh, Swarovski crystal and an opal you'd kind of buy at a cheap souvenir stand somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then this big green egg opens and a baby hatches out. It does. It really yeah. does. A baby comes out of an egg. This is, this is actually happening right now. <laughs> L- luckily, these are kindly non-superstitious nuns who decide to bring the kid up themselves rather than killing it like it was the Antichrist. Like you would do if a, if a baby came out of an egg, you'd be a bit suspicious, wouldn't you? Let's be honest. <laughs> a little bit. And, you know, nuns pretty superstitious, I'm guessing, in terms yeah. of, uh, the devil and that kind of stuff. They're not like, I'm just amazed that they just didn't get the holy water out. Started dowsing the baby in this, but okay. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, uh, by now, like at this point, the film already feels like it's a bit too dark and serious and high concept, but uh, for me anyway. But uh, anyway, she runs away and then she sees Dennis Hopper comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Hello, yeah. He grabs Hopper. her and he goes, "Where's the rock?" Yeah, and she goes, "Cooper!" <laughs> and then a load of rocks fall on her and she dies. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, she's from the other dimension. Mm. Uh, mm. But. Like, why did she pick the? Why did she pick an orphanage? It's never established there are orphanages in the other dimension or even organized religion. So how does she know to like leave the baby in front of this big building? Coincidence, maybe. This is question. She one probably just saw though. the first building, just dropped it off, maybe. Oh yeah, that was really lucky. Though. <laughs> I mean, like, how did she even get there? Like, it's established <laughs> later on that. <laughs> no, yeah, there's there's walls that can, you can travel through. It's established like there's there's kind of like building work going on, and later on. The building work reopens it after like all the rocks fall down and close the portal. Mm. But like, was the portal always there? Were people going back and forth for like millions or, or years or whatever? It was hidden, wasn't it? It was just just hidden from the other side. Yeah, they never. Ex- so I mean, they never explain any of this. It's really confusing. Uh, anyway, flash forward to the present day. Mario and Luigi are plumbers who live together and brothers. Yep. Even though they seem to be a good at least twenty years <laughs> apart in age. Yeah, yeah I mean. You know, Bob Hoskins is old enough to be yeah, um, John Leguizamo. Yeah, dad, easy, isn't he? <clears throat> yeah, I he mean, raised him like a dad. To be fair, he ra- he did raise him like a dad. So maybe that's what they were looking for. Maybe that's a clever bit of casting. 
Uh, it is established that their names, as in the actual video game, are Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. So far, so good. Um, it's silly, isn't it? Like, it's silly how little business they have because they're clearly talented plumbers. Yeah, and they're just hard on their luck. Whoa, the Spicelli Spatellis are what they're called. Spicelli Brothers. Spicelli. They control the whole neighborhood. It seems, isn't it? So. Yeah, it seems like a really weird arrangement because. <laughs> They get a phone call for a job and they go, we gotta get to the job. And like, they, uh, they rush off in their van and they get head off by the Spikelli brothers who like kind of take the job instead. I mean, did like the people that they call two different plumbers? Um, well, that's I what guess- we do in Croydon, isn't it? We call two different plumbers and whoever gets <laughs> here first through the traffic gets the job. Yeah. I mean, you could say maybe the Spikellis, cause they're the mafia. Are uh, listening in and they they get there first and they threaten like the people there. Well, with they're the listening job, to but... every phone call in Brooklyn. They're I listening mean, to this podcast on. right now, Dylan. I mean, they might have <laughs> oh. tapped the Mario Brothers' phone, but it's never established, so we have no idea. It's We've never all... established. Maybe they just turned up on the job. They're driving by and said, "Oh, need any work done?" Like, actually, yeah, we do. Could yeah. have been that. We'd go to every place in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, before they get the phone call, Hoskin, like Mario and Luigi, are hanging out, doing some like establishing yeah. kind of thing. Uh, they do say, oh, you, you brought me up like a brother, Mario. There's lots of kind of expositionary lines in this, which don't really... They don't need to be in it. They don't like... But it's... If they try to aim it... They're talking about parallel universes, aren't they? The TV, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they try to aim it at people who know nothing about Mario Brothers as well, isn't it? It's yeah. trying to be a Hollywood movie for not just people who like the game. They're trying to make it... And that's that's where... That's, that was their first... That was their first mistake, wasn't it? To be honest. <laughs> Well, there are many, many mistakes. There are many, we'll many mistakes. We'll get on to um, this, yes. what, what order they came in later on. Uh, anyway, at this point, we meet uh, a woman called Daisy. She's yep. on an archaeological dig by the Brooklyn Bridge. The Brooklyn Bridge, an archaeological dig. Samantha okay. Mathis. She is Samantha Mathis. <laughs> Mathis. And uh, <laughs> she's being threatened by the Spikellis because it's on their building site, because they're also builders. Anyway, uh, Luigi, Luigi is like taking a phone call so, uh, they can get a job. He, he really fancies her, so he lets her use the phone booth to try and phone the police or the university or something because she's yeah. being threatened. And, uh, basically, but then just kind of tries to spend the entire time she's on the phone trying to chat her up. Yeah. Yeah. I he's, mean, come on. Yeah. Let, let the girl make a phone call, man. Don't be like a sex pest while, you know, giving her the, giving her your phone call. Come on. Yeah. And, no, uh, he is not, I mean, I'm not saying he's, he's ugly, not but he's not especially attractive, and he is not smooth, he's and, not smooth. um, <laughs> like, he doesn't seem very smart or socially adept, but, uh, she agrees to come out to dinner with him anyway. I think one of his lines is, We can all empathize nice with him. Me, isn't it? <laughs> it's I nice to meet wow. me. <laughs> it's nice to meet me. <laughs> was anyone, yes. <laughs> was anyone convinced by this series of events? It's very, very unconvincing series of events. It, well, Mario always had his back, to be fair. Mario kind of helped him out, chat the girl a bit. Why does Daisy, who's obviously a really intelligent like grad student paleontologist, agree to a date with Luigi straight away when he's obviously a moron and <laughs> it's not like a look? And she like goes on about, oh, my job is so boring. Like, why does she, she obviously doesn't think it's boring, otherwise she wouldn't be doing it. Mm. And like, what's she trying to do? Like, impress a plumber's assistant? It just, it makes no sense they to me. They just have to mash Daisy and Luigi together. This is how they, they chose to do it. She's hot, a lizard, so maybe she finds looking at bones boring. Lizards might find that boring, to be fair, Rob. And also, lizards love plumbers. <laughs> yeah. Are you suggesting lizards don't have bones? I'm not suggesting that, but they might have slightly different ways of thinking. So something like really boring jobs might be really fun lizards, for them. Lizards might like snakes, and snakes don't have very many bones. Yeah. She's one of those paleontologists who isn't really that interested in bones. <laughs> yeah. 
She's one of those jobs she had to take to pay the bills. She just likes the dust. <laughs> I think this is how it works in Hollywood. Like, if you're, if you're going to work in Hollywood, you're used to approaching, like, st- strange women in public and phone boxes, especially, like, <laughs> at this point in time, just <laughs> trying to chat them up until they go, okay, fine. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> I'll go to, I'll go on a date with you. Take me to dinner. What do we think of, uh, Samantha Mathis in this film? She's so nice. I just love Samantha Mathis. Yeah, she is. Well, as, as an actress or just pretty? In this film. I think she's very pretty. Uh. It's funny because like uh, I was watching it with my housemate, and he uh, really dug her. He's, uh, he's <laughs> pun, pun intended. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. To me, she just she seems a bit blank. She's not really a good actress, and she's I don't. She's not Hollywood attractive, but I got to say, I love her outfit. She's wearing like shorts and like a shirt and this kind of sleeveless army jacket thing, like a rough long bob haircut. It's really nineties, really early nineties. I mm. like it. It's like kind of white girl Lara Croft. Yeah, I mean, I've, or, you know, ever since American Psycho, I always liked a bit of, always liked a bit of Samantha Mathis. What does she have to work with? I mean, you know, you say like, okay, her acting is not amazing, but she hasn't really got much to work with, has she? Let's be honest. No, no, I, I easily can see Badly that, positioned then... character, no, 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 you know, what blur, we... what's the word I'm looking for? She had a dinosaur to work with later, to be fair. That's pretty cool. There's no, yeah, she didn't really have much to work with there. She did okay. Um, she's a princess. She has regal blood in this. She has regal. What? Hold on, you've just dropped a spoiler. Um, spoilers. Spo- that was a big spoiler. That was a big spoiler and a yeah. plot twist. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> okay, what do we think of uh, Hoskins and Leguizamo as Mario yeah. and Luigi? Well, I, I w- so again, miss. Like, miss well, cast. I always like Bob Hoskins as an actor. I thought he's very good in a lot of films. Do you know what I think? It's not really what you'd expect Mario to be like no, as a human being. But I, d- I defend their choice because they were kind of for a big actor and they got a big actor, re- very respected. At the was time. this after he'd done Who yeah. Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, uh, yeah five was, years right? after. In fact, we'll get onto it uh, when we go into the making of the film. But um, yeah, this was his first starring role in a big Hollywood film since Roger Rabbit, which was uh, he wasn't Hook, wasn't he before? Right? Yeah, but he was. He was. Um, yeah, he wasn't the main. Smee, I think he was supporting yeah, role. True. That's not good that he had to wait five years. Okay, mm. anyway, but I know you'll tell us later about it. But yeah, I, I mean, think he was okay actually. I think he when he was on the screen, he kind of stole the show quite. His often. lines again were bad. Oh yeah. Oh, the script is bad, but um, yeah. and uh, he does lose class though. I think. I think he's got that good watchability about him. What about Luigi? John Leguizamo. Yeah. I quite I quite like him as a character in this kind of movie, but again, he's not really Luigi, is it? That's yeah. not what you'd imagine. He didn't have the moustache for one thing, which annoyed Where's me. Where's the moustache, man? Yeah. Both men have Mario did, to be fair. They did. They made sure that Bob had one, but why didn't they enforce... Was yeah. it not in his contract that he had to have a, a, a moustache? Um, I'm guessing he wasn't capable of going a convincing <laughs> moustache, and uh, they thought a fake one would look too stupid. <laughs> Uh, oh, because that would look too how, stupid in how this about movie. The, the Superman CGI, I mean, the CGI. Do you remember that? They had to CGI um, Superman not to have a beard or something. And, yeah, yeah, Henry Cavill on the reshoots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Henry. Can you imagine CGI in the Mario Brothers days? <laughs> oh, God. So, anyway, they're going on a big double date with um, Luigi and Daisy and uh, Mario and his girlfriend. Yeah. I can't What's her his... name? Daniela or something. Let's Dan... just say yes. I can't remember I, her name. She could have been called Peach, but I guess. Yeah. Anyway, again, way too hot for someone who that Mario would be going. He's out a with. good plumber, man. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good plumber, but he's not a successful plumber, is he? And he's, he's not... been he's been mafiaed out of any making any money. And he's relatively charming, but I wouldn't say he's ch- that charming. No, to bridge that gap. That is also a bit of a miscast, I think. <sighs> yeah. So anyway, like they're not um... doing great with the casting at the minute, or 
Yeah. So, uh, development. Off, after the dinner, um, Daisy takes Luigi to the dig site. It turns out the mafia guys are screwing with the plumbing to flood the site. <laughs> yeah. So they have to call Mario, who's a plumbing expert, obviously, and they'll go down to the tunnel to fix it. In the meantime, these two guys, these I- idiots, it's called Spike and Iggy, yeah. are going around kidnapping women on New York because they think one of them might be the princess, who it will turn out is Daisy. Well, Spike and Iggy are actual characters in the Mario games, aren't they? Um, are they not the names of of uh, two of Cooper's children? I'm not um, entirely sure of this. I know they're enemies. They are kind of Cooperish. It's something to do with Cooper. They're right? green. They're green in the game. I know they're that. Green. <laughs> they're green. Yeah. They're clearly. They're definitely not green in Mario Brothers. The film. <laughs> no. Although one of them is the guy from Short Circuit too. Yeah, I thought the it was the guy who does brown face. Yeah, I thought it was Rob Schneider, but it's now looked it up and it's oh, it's Fisher Stevens. It's the guy who does the brown face. Also, he's in Hackers. Is he in Hackers? He's he the, do brown uh, face the in main, Hackers as well. Main enemy. He? No, he's the main enemy in Hackers. Okay. Are you telling me we should done green face? What you're saying? He should do green. <laughs> he should have done green face because he like doesn't like doing his own face. because <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. I didn't really like recognize who it was. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's him and Roger out of uh, Friends. Raj. Oh, yeah. That's him. Who's yeah. Roger and Friends again? Uh, the, which one? Well, Spike and Iggy, one of them. I can't remember which one. They're which one of them? Some of them, they? yeah. No, who's Roger? Oh, uh, the psychiatrist that Phoebe goes out That's with. That's right, yeah. Okay. That analyzes all of them. Like, define me. <laughs> Be like me. <laughs> that one. Oh, yeah, it's me yeah, about it's true. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're kidnapping random women on the streets of New York. A plot development, I think we can agree, would not get into a family film in 2019. <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to try and get Daisy, like, just go for random women and you never, eventually you'll get her, right? <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, they're, they're kind of made out to be incredibly stupid and they realize, like, this woman, Daisy Smith Mathis, is a good bet. I'm not sure why. I, I'm not sure what the reason is, but, um. Oh, yeah. She smells like a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, so yeah they possibly. S- so they sneak up, they lamp uh, Mary and Luigi, and they carry her off. Mm. Um, by the way, like, quick question. What do you think the odds numerically are that the entrance between worlds is right at her dig site, and she's a paleontologist? Um, archaeologist. Pretty good. <laughs> it's got to be somewhere in the world, to be fair, Rob. So why can't it be there? Yeah. It has to be somewhere, Rob. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's digging there. You would hope it was there. You should have been a screenwriter on this film. <laughs> or, it's like when you ask, where is the center of the universe? I think there's a city or a town in America that says it's here. No one can actually claim where it is, so we're going to say it's here. So why can't you claim that this portal is in the middle of Brooklyn somewhere? It's in Brooklyn. right? Because they actually go through the portal. We know it's yeah, there. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, the, uh, the plumbers follow them through a portal underground, and uh, they go to a place called Dinohattan. The uh, what do you think of these special effects when they go through the portal? It's they're pretty bad. Everything's bad. <laughs> yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. The special effects in the whole film are naff. To be fair, and they they kind of go a bit like glitter dusty. Like yeah. it's almost like um, <laughs> like Mr. Stark. I don't feel so good. <laughs> but that's kind of a bit more leafy. This is like kind of glittery and dusty. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they go to this place called Dino Hatton. Which um, is like a version like of New York, but actually looks more like Hong Kong to me. I don't know what you, you two know, thought. Kind yeah, of a it does have runner, an Asian sort of vibe. Blade Runner, Asian vibe. Asian vibe, which is fine. Yeah, yeah uh, in one of the many scenes that were cut from the film, uh, at the beginning, Cooper's in New York, and he likes it so much that he makes his own city look like that. Um. Which is why, you know, quick question, why is, he, why is it called Dino Hatton when he, the portal's in Brooklyn? should be Brook Dino Lynn. 
shouldn't it? Mm. Don't know, Lynn. Because this portal might not take you exactly to the same place, and it might be a slightly different area. It could be a transporter as well. Uh, it could Daisy, be a transporter. Daisy plainly says um, early in the film that she grew up in that orphanage, quote, down the street over there. Right, um, yeah. Um, okay, so my theory the is place. dead then. <laughs> um, also, like, what, he made his entire city look like that in, like, 20 years. I mean, come on. No, I just it think Dylan's take... right. They thought, oh, Manhattan, let's be a bit clever. So they change it to Dino. Uh, let's, let's just squeeze it in somehow. So uh, it turns out that Daisy is a princess, and Cooper wants the crystal rock thing, which she wears on her neck as a pendant, because um, it and she can merge the universes back together, the dimensions back uh-huh. together. Oh, yeah. I don't know why or how that would work. They never really explain it, but... um, It kind of kind of happens towards the end of the film a bit, doesn't it? When <laughs> because they... of reasons. Because of reasons. Because, because this meteor is Dolph Lundgren super... done that in the whole... In, um... Master of the Master Universe. Master Universe. So if he can do it with that music thing, why can't Mario Brothers? Yeah. So, and why is she, like, inseparable from this bit of, this piece of meteor just to make sure that she has it at the end when they kidnap her? Like, but oh. it makes, why, it makes, they at least try to explain it in Master of the Universe. They never explain why she, in fact, she's a royal extraction or whatever, and this piece of meteorite will somehow make, it makes no sense. It will do it. it they just come together, like, you know, yeah. yin and yang. Oh, but they come together because opposites attract. Exactly. It doesn't make much sense, but it makes a little bit of sense. It makes almost zero sense, <laughs> but you have to go with it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway, he wants his plan is that he wants his henchmen, the Goombas, which we'll get on to in a, oh, in a minute. Oh, no. <laughs> Please don't talk about the Goombas. <laughs> See, and he wants them to use devolution guns on everyone on Earth and devolve them back to chimps. <laughs> oh, God. Cooper also wants to uh, shag Daisy because... Right now, his girlfriend is Fiona Shaw, who uh, my housemate pointed out plays Aunt Petunia in Harry Potter. That's right. Yep. When yep. I was watching, yep. I going, I know this woman. Why do I recognise that? And you're right, you're right. It's Aunt Petunia. The cleavage kind of puts you off. You're like, hold on. <laughs> like, who is that? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and out of those, you know, I, th- I guess like Samantha Mathis is quote unquote the younger model. Yeah. And, you know, socially uh, high, more higher up, I suppose. It's actually quite sexist in, in, in a lot of places, the film, isn't it? A Hollywood film? Sexist? A Hollywood, oh, I know, I know, I know. A Hollywood 90s film? Sexist? <laughs> like, what? Uh, so what do we think of Dennis Hopper as Cooper? Do we wrong. like his, do we like his so hair? Wrong. No, it's Yeah, it's quite 90s, quite cool. A lot of punk rock bands used to have that kind of hair, didn't they? No. <laughs> do, you think, do you think a human Cooper would have hair like that? I don't know, man. It's I'm like, not convinced. It's like kind of bleached. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it's like kind of bleached blonde. Yeah. And like it's gelled into kind of weird, weird waves. waves. Yeah, yeah, spiky waves. To make it look like a dinosaur. Yeah, it was like the dinosaur bump bits, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Again, another really good actor. Well, I like him as an actor. Dennis Hopper a lot. And he's good Why speed. did he do this movie? He's good in speed. Um. Imagine the sound a cash register makes. Ka-ching, you'll get ka-ching, your answer. Ka-ching. Uh, yeah, Dennis Hopper, um, is, I find Cooper really bizarre. Dennis Hopper is like full blue velvet mode here. Don't know if either of you have seen blue velvet. I if haven't. If not, no. you, uh, definitely should. Tell us more about, I've heard of blue velvet. Yeah. Uh, iconic David Lynch film from the mid 80s basically, uh, resurrected Dennis Hopper's career. He plays one of the most sinister and bizarre villains you've ever seen. Basically, um, I could do an impression, but I just think it would be lost on you two. And um, it might have be lost on the listeners. Why just give it? Just do it. Just do it. It's like uh, he's basically he's kind of he's this gangster. And he's quite sinister to begin with, but then um, he uh, he has his gas mask and he starts inhaling like this kind of nitrous oxide or something. And he gets starts going, "Mommy, mommy!" 
<laughs> like and uh Ooh, that's it, that does sound chilling it gets uh, more bizarre from there it's not just because the the window's open but yeah. i'm chilled <laughs> so uh so anyway like uh he's in full kind of blue velvet mode here this is kind of the start of dennis potter's like uh 90s hollywood career playing really weird villains like after this, we do Speed and Waterworld the next yeah. couple of years, and uh, well, yeah, he was great to... in Speed. He was great. Are you a fan of Dennis Hopper, Rob? I, I like him as an actor. Like, I like him, but he's not got a massive range for me. Just weird do you evil not guy. I think he's kind of similar to M. Bison in a way. The act, I forget his name now. Well, but... Julia. No, in the sense that he wanted to ham it up a little bit, and he wanted to. He's trying to steal he the show. He doesn't actually a ham bit. it up much as Cooper, you know. He could mm. ham it up a lot more. His ham yeah, level exactly. is set. His ham level is set to about twenty percent. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think he was an auto autopilot for this film. Oh, do you? Okay. But, yeah. Uh, but like, he has these really kind of weird lines that's creepy. Like, you know what I love about mud? He's like in a mud bath at this point. You know what I love about mud? It's clean and dirty at the same time. Yeah. What is yeah. up with that? I hate like, that line. I, I, bear in mind that like he's uh in the mud with his kind of girlfriend and yeah. you realise the his metaphor... His girlfriend who he doesn't really like. You realise the metaphor here? Clean and dirty at the same time? Oh, no. Anyway. It's wrong, isn't it? It's meant to be a, like a ki- kid's... Well, is it yeah, meant to be, to be a kid's film? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. So anyway, Cooper gets the Mario Brothers thrown in prison along with the guy they, the Mario Brothers meet on the street with a swirly pattern shaved into his head who's playing guitar and singing anti-Cooper songs. And his name is Toad. He is. Ah, yeah. Toad. Uh, and he takes all these guys to the devolution machine and he devolves Toad into a Goomba. A Goomba, if you've never seen the film, is uh, these guys are like seven foot tall and they're li- they're like they have a tiny crocodile lizard faces <laughs> yeah. and they dress in trench coats and like they basically do everything Cooper says for some reason they don't really ex- they just say they're dumb but they don't really explain why they obey him. Nope. Uh, and they explain why they're nothing like Goombas in the actual <laughs> games, or look anything like them, or it's just very painful, isn't it? It's just, it's painful to look at them. And, yeah. You don't like the Goombas with their tiny heads and like their, They've made their, their eyes are always open tiny. and their mouths are always open. They have made the, their heads way too tiny. It's just stop, stop with the tiny headness. Just one if, of the, I was a bit unsure. One of the Goombas later kind of helps them. Yeah, the was one that, with the harmonica. Yeah, was the harmonica one Toad originally? Yes. Oh, okay. There they you go. show him because once he evolved, they stick his harmonica back on his head because it's right. a laugh, I guess. There you sure. go. But um, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into the. But basically, like uh, he gets set on fire, mm. and uh, Daisy and Mario Brothers put him out. He's like, oh, okay, friend. But all, yeah, I would. I would think people who put me on, out of fire are friends too. So, uh, yeah, like, they all escape, and the next few minutes is all chasing to try and find, like, this, um, this fragment of rock crystal thing. I'm just gonna <laughs> call it the fragment from now on. Le fragment. They escape to the desert, uh, Cooper uses the machine to make Iggy, the devolution machine, to make Iggy and Spike really smart, mm. and they go to the desert to find the Mario Brothers, but apparently end up hanging out with them instead, almost immediately, because they're socialists now or something. Yep. They're like, Blah, blah, blah. Proletariat. Blah, blah, blah. Proletariat. Yeah. <laughs> it's stupid, isn't it? <laughs> it's so it's stupid. Ridiculous. They're like, they're really smart, but still super dumb. <laughs> it's, um, you know, and of course they are like, if this is a fictional archetype, which goes back to, I think something highbrow. Uh. Fictional archetype that goes back to something highbrow. Think, uh, of the most highbrow in person in, um, English literature. Shakespeare? Yes. Goes Boom. back to uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern from Hamlet. Boom. These are basically like two henchmen kind of 
who would kind of hang out in the background and commentate on everything. They also reminded me a lot of um, basically the same kind of model, the two guys from Sin City, who like either film and comic book of Sin City, where like these the two guys uh, speak already dumb. They speak in like really kind of elevated big words. Okay, um, vaguely. Been ages since I've seen Sin City, but yeah, I just find it a bit weird. Yes. They, they, they're still dumb, even though they were smart. It didn't really make sense. Yeah. Meanwhile, Daisy is uh, still locked up with... Um, I think she was locked up with all the other girls when they realized the women that were kidnapped, but then they realized she was actually the princess. They they took her out and they're keeping her somewhere else. And she meets Yoshi. Yeah. And Yoshi no. is like an animatronic <laughs> no, they dinosaur. Didn't. You didn't like Yoshi? <laughs> you love Yoshi. He's <laughs> <laughs> crying. All the scenes with him and Daisy are so bad. He's a lot more it? scaly than he is in the game, he's isn't he? So yeah, Yoshi scaly. looks a bit scary looking, actually. <laughs> Plus, he's got no shell on his back, is he? Either? <laughs> Yoshi, no. It's like, ah, <laughs> Dylan, your pet. I forgot look about Yoshi. Me. If Yoshi turned up now, Dylan, and was looking for a new owner, <laughs> you'd look after him, surely. <laughs> And um, it turns out that even though her mum is buried by rocks, Daisy's dad is still alive. Good news, right? Until you see I'd rather be dead. <laughs> yeah, um, apparently oh. her dad has been devolved into fungus. And the fungus Ooh. is in this main world. Sorry, you know, The fungus is always in the background helping Mario. Well, I was about to get to that, oh, sorry. yes. Uh, basically, it's... Plot twist. Plot spoiler. It's like the fungus is in this room in Cooper's laboratory or castle or something. It's a bit vague, but um, but it's also everywhere else in the city, and it's helping the Mario Brothers because it's, it's smart fungus, like smart hashtag smart fungus. <laughs> <To be> fair, <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, go ahead. No, but in the games, Mario gets power ups via mushrooms, which is a type of fungus, right? Yeah, can, yeah they, it's tenuous, but <laughs> yeah, I kind of get what Adrian's saying. Plus, you know, some of the big jumping pads are big bits of mushroom, aren't they? Here's, here's a question. Why doesn't Cooper just kill him? <laughs> no, it's like Austin Powers. You don't Why just... is he keeping him alive? <laughs> it's like Cooper, like, oh, Cooper right, complains, yeah. like, this fungus is everywhere in the city. It's like, just kill it. I want sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their heads. <laughs> I want fungus with bazookas attached to their heads. fungus with bazooka beams attached like, to their heads. If that's Daisy's dad, does that also mean Daisy's a part fungus? Yes. Are you telling me what? she's half dinosaur, half mushroom? I have no idea that it's... Yeah, because if her dad's a mushroom, then <laughs> she's a dinosaur mushroom. Yes. That's, that's you know, undoubtable logic right and there. And why isn't Toad a mushroom? He devolves, like, into a Goomba, like a lizard crocodile thing. Why isn't he a mushroom? Because, his name is Toad. because Toad only has a mushroom haircut. Yeah, he's not really a Toad. He's actually... What they're trying to say is they've outed Toad as not a fungus. <laughs> <laughs> it's got, it's gone on so many levels. Oh this man, film is I know so many levels. So uh, at this point, they go to like a club in the city where uh, the city of Dino Hatton, needless to say, where they're playing versions of songs like "Love Is a Drug" and "Walk the Dinosaur." <laughs> yeah, because yep. for some reason those songs crossed over or they were written in parallel in the other place. Who knows? Yeah, how did they have them in <laughs> the other place? Who knows? We don't want to know, really. How did dinosaurs <laughs> steal songs by humans? Mm. No, because you forget people had transport between the worlds before. So maybe they can hear a song in the back. Maybe on Earth they've heard the song and have come back and sort of stolen it and become rock stars, maybe. Like Biff and Back to the Future 2. Exactly like Biff and Back to the Future 2. But without disturbing the space-time continuum. <laughs> well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be... There's a, it's a different dimension. It's not 
Oh, it's different dimensions. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. clever, clever, clever. So there's this uh, big black woman, this tight, spiky red dress and yeah. jet boots. And her name She's is. She's vicious, bro. Her yeah. name is Big Bertha, which apparently is the name of also someone in the Mario series. No, I don't know Mario well enough. No, I, I, I should know that, but I don't. And she uh, mugged them earlier on and got yeah. the fragments. And um, she had the jumping boots. Yes. Which is a lovely nod to the Mario games where you can jump high. Yeah. They're based on thwomps. I think they're called thwomp stomps or something. Thwomp stomps. Yep, yep. Uh, so how does, how do you think Mario Luigi get the fragment back from Big Bertha? Oh, I know, I know exactly what you do. They've you got put, a romance here. You put on the charm, the Mario charm. You mean the Mario Mario and the Luigi Mario oh, charm? Mar- I tell you what, Bob Hoskins, he steals the show in this scene, doesn't he? His dance moves, he's smooth talking. Yeah, he's trying to, uh, dance with, uh, this woman who's like, at least half a foot taller than him. Yeah. So Adrian, you actually like... sound like you're starting to like this film. Or I, I like thought... that bit, actually. I like that scene. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was one of the best characters. Well, her character isn't good, but, like, I thought she was, number one, the sexiest character in the film. Number two, like, I thought it was, I was really annoyed, but, like, because he managed to steal it off her, and she's like, where'd he go? Where'd my thing go? And then, like, at the end of the scene, um, Cooper Brook kind of breaks in mm. and tries to kidnap him, and she helps them, but why? Why did she help the guy? Is just like kind of. I know exactly why. She respects mm-hmm. Mario's tenacity. It's actually not a bad answer. Yeah, that that's that is the answer. They should go on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that scene. I like Bob Hoskins dancing. I go, no, good old Bob. I liked it a lot. Uh, so anyway, uh, Mario- Bob, rest in peace. Yeah, no, definitely. The Mario brothers go to rescue Daisy. Um, at some point, they go through lockers to find disguises. They end up wearing the iconic uh, blue, red, blue, green overalls. And they were the pictures on those. It was quite well pub, pub, uh, advertised, wasn't it, this one, I think? And they were the famous posters and just standing they there. They don't even look right. No, but they are the famous colours. They are the famous colours, but they don't even look right. <laughs> yeah, I've got to agree with you there, I think. Um... Well, the hats. Hats go with it. You meant to have the hats. <laughs> well. I'll level with you. I'd st- I kind of stopped concentrating on the film that closely by this point. <laughs> but um... oh, I was on tenderhooks then. I was watching every scene <laughs> with eagle eyes. Anyway, more stuff happens. Uh, and eventually, Daisy ends up opening the portal while uh, Coot... Cooper is like pointing a devolution gun at Mario in um the uh the actual Dino Hatton. Yeah. His question: dev- Devolution guns. Yeah. They look familiar. Oh, I know. I, I, yes, I, I clocked it. They're the SNES scopes, aren't they? Super scopes. <laughs> they like super scopes. The super scopes. That's great. That's a, that, I like that. I respected that bit. Yeah, like no matter how much I dislike the film or disrespect the film in general, there are lots of really nice touches. Yeah. Some other like kind of nice touches. Uh, Louis, they, Louis, at one point, Luigi and Mario steal, like, one of these kind of Dino Hatton police cars. And, um, even though, like, they look like in absolute shambles, the cars, they're, like, they're controlled by this computer inside the car. And Luigi works how to do that. And Mario goes, how did you, how did you work hard to do that? And he goes, huh, must have been too much time sitting around playing video, video games. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, Luigi. And it looks a bit like a video game when he's operating it in the car and that. That was like a nice reference. It and was, um, yeah, yeah. something else, which I don't know if anyone else caught, we were talking about the uh, special effect when they go through the portal. Yeah. Right at the beginning of the film, when uh, not right, when Luigi and Mario are like, hanging out at their place, they have one of those things where like you, if you put your hand in it, it makes like an, a kind of an impression on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, the, um, yeah, those things with the, the metally... Things, yeah. aren't the pins, in the square, yeah. the pins, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah and uh, he puts his face in there, yeah, and it looks really similar to the special effect. It's like a nice little Ooh, uh, yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah. That was that was I did, yeah, I noticed that's pretty good, clever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so anyway, like, uh, at, so like at this point, um, Cooper's pointing the evolution gun at Mary, is going to shoot him, and uh, Daisy's with Luigi, and she ends up 
falling in onto the meteorite and opening the portal. Yep, it got opened up and all hell breaks loose. Yeah, Not really. uh, they, like they part of it goes into New York, part of New York apparently goes yeah. into there. There's a really unfortunate shot of the Twin Towers half disintegrating. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that was just bad luck, really. That was just... I think every time I watch Friends and it's on, it's yeah, just sad, no. isn't it? But, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Cooper and Mario end up um, at, like, the dig site above ground, for, I guess, and um, where the Scapelli brothers are having, like, a press conference or something. And Cooper shoots the gun at one of the Scapelli brothers and turns him into a chimp. In front of the media, and like everyone, everyone has to go, whoa, oh no, everyone just starts laughing. Like it's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like it's, it's bizarre. Then, um, uh, like, uh, yeah, Daisy manages to switch it off and they set, they like, they kind of go back and Mary sh- somehow shoots Cooper with a devolution gun and he turns into a T-Rex. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Not like, not well, full size T-Rex, just like, uh. A man-sized T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. no, it's not it's bigger than man size but not by it's much, much. Like, yeah. it's then, like it's like if you went to the fancy dress store and asked for a t-rex costume uh, it's slightly bigger than you but you're getting it's like that isn't yeah. it and then he devolves further into like primordial slime and then daisy's father magically gets turned back into lance henriksen yes lance henriksen has been there the whole time <laughs> for five minutes He's like in the film for like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's a 30 second cameo, isn't it? How much do you think he was paid for the 30 seconds he was in the film? Mm. I, I was that after he was <laughs> in <enough>. Terminator? <laughs> uh, yes, and after, yeah, a good decade after Terminator. So he was being quite famous then, so I'd say he got paid half a million for that. <laughs> wow. I would have said, uh, no, less than that, sure. 20% of that. Yeah. What, did, yeah. what was it? Um, I have no idea. Was, oh, I was no. just <laughs> genuinely <laughs> curious. <laughs> We've, before you actually knew, but um, he did get something out of it because apparently he was on this film set long enough to meet his his future wife. I'd say it like Who's that. Who's his future wife? I don't know. She's not famous. I don't oh, think. Right. oh. Anyway, they not met Big on the Bertha. set and got married. <laughs> Big Bertha. Oh. Speaking of Big Bertha, you forgot. Where's that really good line when Mario's trying to chat her up? And he, remember this? He goes, "I'm Mario, your main man. Ramadan, can of spam." Ramadan canis. <laughs> somehow that slipped my mind. <laughs> it happened. And there's a bit, remember when Luigi is topless? Oh, for the ladies. When is, topless is this Luigi. the same scene? No, it's a bit later on. He ends up topless. And... It's in the special, it's a special Adrian <laughs> oh, yeah. cut. I watched a special uncut version. Um, <laughs> the kind where you were on hallucinogens. <laughs> and there's a bit, there's a bit actually, I can't remember who says it, but they say it to um, Daisy. I think it's Cooper. He said, um, you have your mother's eyes. Do you remember that bit? Yeah. And I was like, that is so Harry Potter. <laughs> I reckon J.K. Rowling stole that for Harry Potter, right? I've never actually seen or read Harry Potter, but I'll take your yeah, word pe- for it. People will get the reference. Don't you worry about that. Anyway, like, um, I don't know if it's magic that causes, um, Lance Henriksen to turn back into Lance Henriksen or whether it's something else, but like, if he's a fungus that's been spread across the city, what happens to the fungus? Is it like, does it disappear? Does it like get sucked up? Are there bits of Lance Henriksen all over the city? Does it slowly make its way back into his body somehow? <laughs> it's a rather disturbing image, isn't it? It all just like winds away into Lance Henriksen. So obviously, like uh, the big bad's been vanquished. We're into like the uh, kind of end bit now. Um, even though Luigi loves her, Daisy says she needs to stay. Yeah. She needs uh, to get to know her dad, Lance Henriksen, I guess, her dad, and. Um, take care of stuff because she's a lizard woman or something yeah yeah and um then like there's a bit on screen it's just three weeks later Mario and Luigi are, like hanging around their apartment and like mm-hmm. um 
Mary goes, oh, you still moping over her? Like, <laughs> you know, forget her. And like, goes, yeah. and then like, the TV's on. And Luigi goes, hey, look at the TV. And there's like, a new support. And there's this reporter going, how great they are. <laughs> they go like, <laughs> maybe we should call them the Super Mario Brothers. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. It's like, what, this is a new support three weeks after all this happened? Yeah, well, they have to wait three weeks to get their dues, don't yeah, they? Yeah, that's, that's about standard. It feels like maybe the worlds have kind of ended up merging a bit, but again, they never go into detail or was cut out or something. Um, yeah, because we don't know if they fully unmerged after the bit of rock came out again, do we? Yeah, I guess not. We don't know. It kind of hinted that it did because they disappeared from Brooklyn or wherever. But that was very strange. And then, and then uh, one of the worst endings in any film ever happens. Go then, on. And then just then, um, Ooh. Daisy bursts through the door with, I think she's wearing overalls or something. She's looking gun. like something from Mad Max, right? And she says, she, and she's, I need your help. And then the film ends. So, awful, awful, awful ending. Uh, <laughs> what, fi- what film did that ending massively, massively rip oh, off? Oh, I read this. Yeah, sorry. I already know you, Rob. Oh, I don't know. You're, I'm meant to be doing the research. Yeah, You're meant sorry. to be uh, yeah, natural on this. My bad. What did it rip off? It's a good film. One of the biggest hits of the 80s. Terminator? <clears throat> no, um, hold on, hold on. Um, I know, we'll be here all day. What back to it? the Future. Yeah. Oh, Marty, it's your kids. Yeah. <laughs> we got to go back. Yeah, yeah, sadly, no sequel ever turned up. Hey, we could be next year, you never know. So uh there was apparently like, a webcomic sequel that came out around the same time. Or maybe Woo! 2010, I can't remember. I didn't write down that bit. <laughs> but uh yeah. Um there what do we think of it? What did we think of the film as a whole? Well, well the, the ending clearly leads to they wanted to do a Super Mario Brothers 2 movie, didn't yep. they? There was originally actually gonna be a Super Mario Brothers 2. They'd um plotted it. It was gonna be the villain from the game Mario 2. If it's if it's yeah. in line with the games and say if that um, movie ties into the first Super Mario game and if the second film was going to tie into Mario Brothers 2, then it would be undoubtedly worse <laughs> yeah. than what we've just watched. And also Mario and Luigi would be throwing a lot more plants. They'd be throwing a lot more plants. Uh, I mean, what's, why are you throwing that turnip? Just put it down. Yeah, but Bowser wasn't even in it, was he? Which is annoying. I thought Bowser was Cooper. Okay. Bowser and King Cooper are the same, aren't they? Oh, yeah, I think you're right, actually. My bad. Um, I thought it was funny. You know, when Spakelly turned into a monkey, everyone just laughed. Like, no, look what they're doing. Oh, look at him. He turned into a chimp. And they just laugh at the monkey, which I think is a bit harsh on the monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um. It's monkeyist. How about the baboon bit? The, the, the walking bomb. That was quite good, that bit. The baboom. The baboom. The baboom looked, was really small. It really looked like. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why it looked so ragged and like. (laughs) Looked like something they'd kind of patched together out of. (laughs) Like at the last minute. Did you notice what trait tra- a play trainers he was wearing? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm going to get on to oh, that. Okay, and right. I have a long list of everything I disliked <laughs> about the film. Which... Oh, really? Okay. Um, I just yeah, there you go. That's. Do you want? Oh, before you go into it, do you want the back of the DVD box, Rob? Shall I read it? Yes, we love We've the back dug of out the, the DVD, DVD box, especially box. to <laughs> hear fr- what it's all about. Well, I'll do the front first. A little quote from the Daily Mail. It says, "Oh, we love, we love the Daily Mail." Oh, don't Ooh. never quote the Daily well, Mail, dude. I'm going to do this once. Oh. It says, "Hilarious and exciting." A cross between Indiana Jones, Blade Runner, and Star Wars. Which shows you what they know about <laughs> anything, doesn't it? I think uh, the words that were in, that, in front of that in the review were intended to be. Yeah. <laughs> Hoped to be. Um, another quote. Um, oh, no, it's just, just a tagline. It says, this ain't no game. It's a live action thrill ride. 
And well, for the Daily Mirror, they say a, a, a surefire blockbuster. <laughs> well, it shows what the Daily Mirror know. What is what, just bad English papers? Like, yeah. Do you know what Wikipedia says about this film? A critical and commercial failure. <laughs> that sounds more like it's it. Thanks. Surefire failure. Right. So the, the the description. If people are still considering whether to watch this bad boy, uh, DVD pretty cheap. I think these days. It says here based on the legendary legendary Nintendo franchise. Super Mario Brothers is the all star all action classic video game blockbuster. And this describes the film. Hard up, wacky brothers Mario and Luigi run a plumbing company in Brooklyn when they when they befriend Daisy, a young archaeologist. We've looked, we've just gone through all this in much greater detail. But this is the back of the box, yeah. Rob. Come on. They are pulled into a bizarre, fantastical adventure as the villainous King Cooper's cousins kidnap her and whisk her off to the sinister underworld of Dino Hatton. In hot pursuit with their weird and wonderful allies, Bertha. Toad and Dinosaur, Yoshi, the brothers must battle Cooper and his army of Goombas, intent on merging our dimension with theirs. Featuring trailblazing state-of-the-art computer effects and a host of astonishing characters, Super Mario Brothers is a vis- visually extravagant, and mind-blowing caper that's literally out of this world. It has actually blown my mind, so I'll give it that. Here's a question. Which bit of that, uh, the last few sentences Adrian wrote, is the only correct bit of that... That whole kind of thing. Uh, Adrian will tell us. Well, it's not state-of-the-art computer effects. It's uh, you <laughs> it's said the word groundbreaking, state- did you not? Uh, yeah, uh, they do break a lot of ground. These were actually groundbreaking because it was the first film to use a prog- program called Autodesk uh, Flame, which became like pretty um, kind of the the default kind of thing for CGI graphics later on. Oh, oh, there god. Go. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, oh, this is go. the very first, uh, film to use that, like, innovative, um, editing effects. I don't think it looks very good. The special effects, but I guess someone had to be the first. Yes. Trailblazers. It's not great. They? What did you think, Dylan? <laughs> what, of the what film the or film? of the, of the CGI? <laughs> Any and all. Any and all. Uh, just the tone of the thing is completely wrong. It's just, everything is wrong. Where do, where do you want me to start? I mean, the casting I've said is wrong. The plot, Barely makes any kind of sense or any resemblance to any of the games. Uh, that's it, isn't it? It's a bad score, bad. The the I don't know. It, it doesn't know if it's tongue in cheek. It doesn't know if it's edgy. It doesn't know if it's a kids' film. It doesn't know if it's like some kind of sexy film. We just we don't know. It doesn't know what it is. Adriano. Yeah, I when I said to my wife, oh, we've got to watch Mario Brothers in the next few days. We're on a time limit. She was like, I'm not watching that. <laughs> I was like, come on, come on, Becca, please watch it. So no, I refused. She my refused wife, to watch it. My wife also refused to watch it. So I had to watch it by myself. Well, I managed to, when everyone else was fast asleep. I managed to tag it one of my sons, Ewan, my middle son, who was like, oh, okay, I'll watch it with your dad. And I think he regretted the decision. <laughs> that's, that's two hours of his life. He's never going to get I back. Know. Look, I, I thought the film was stupid. It was goofy. It didn't really, I agree. It didn't, it didn't know what it wanted to be. But there were a couple of small little things I quite liked. You know, thing with the Goombas and they were they all da- start dancing. To I was going to say that was actually my favourite bit of the entire <laughs> yeah, film. That was so when, ridiculous. No, but I like that bit. They're just shaking side to side. Uh, yeah, I really read you get them to all start dancing in the lift. No, <laughs> I mean, stop it. Oh, um, I always like. I've always liked Dennis Hopper as an actor, and I've always liked Bob Hoskins. So I've been, I, I quite like those two in the film. Um, but yeah, I do. They're they're not. I've seen them better. <laughs> I've seen them act better, to be fair. <laughs> You've seen them do anything better than this. <laughs> yeah. Me, like, I've seen worse films, but this is a bad film. Like, I'm so glad you mentioned the score, because for me, that was actually number one on the things, <laughs> the worst things about the film. Uh, Alan Silvestri did the score, 
Adrian, do you know who Alan Silvestri is? He did for Back to the Future, didn't he? Yes, he did. Uh, Maybe he, it was his idea to rip off Back to the Future, right? At the end. Well, he was Roger Zemeckis' um, go-to guy, always has been for music. So he did mm. not only Back to the Future, he did Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump. Works like, for those films. Great. And he also did uh, Predator and The Avengers. Yeah, brilliant. But he's not, I don't think he's a good, I don't like him. I'm not, not a fan. You don't even like I the think, scores from those films? I think he's a hack. <gasps> oh, Rob, The main theme of Back to the Future is alright, but like... I mean, the, f- the f- Alan Silvestri is going to come get us now if he's not passed away. Yeah, uh, orig- the original choice for the score was Jerry Goldsmith's. Jerry Goldsmith, sorry, genuine Hollywood legend. Let's take a look at his roll call: Planet of the Apes, Patton, Chinatown, The Omen, Alien, Star Trek, First Blood, Gremlins, Total Recall, and Basic Instinct. Oh, that is a roll call. No. Like even the ones kind of you know you might not be that familiar with Patton, you would know it if you've heard it immediately. It's the uh, music that gets done in that uh, early episode of The Simpsons where Bart has to fight the bully. Da, da, da. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's the score is completely inappropriate for this film. Yeah. It's like It sounds like it should be in Home Alone. In fact, I was surprised yeah. when I checked it out that he hadn't done Home Alone. Because yeah. like, yeah. it's very similar. It's completely inappropriate for this kind of film. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yep. Sorry, go on. No, just yep. Just yep. <laughs> yep. Sorry, Alan. Here's, here's a question, um, and I'll accept two answers for this. Uh, what was the budget of the film? Ten pounds. <laughs> no, I think they put, put a lot into this. I reckon $50 million. Fifteen or fifty? Fifty. Five zero. Uh, you're very close. Um, according to Wikipedia and IMDb, it's forty-eight million dollars. Oh, wow. The other where on earth did that money go? The other answer I would have accepted was uh, big enough for the film to lose a lot of money, but not big enough to make it look even acceptable as a Hollywood movie. Um, it made, <laughs> in case you're interested, twenty point nine million dollars back in the US. Ouch! Uh, oh. Couldn't find any figures for worldwide, but I'm guessing it lost a fair bit of that, money. That's how they measure it, isn't it? As long as it makes it back in the US, yeah then it's a success, isn't it? If it's not anywhere near, they don't care about the worldwide stuff. Well, back in the day, that was true. Maybe not so much anymore, because overseas probably like uh, dwarfs the US now, especially with China. But um, yeah, everything... That's bad. That is so bad. 20 million. Yeah, everything looks really cheap and is really obvious it's on a film set. I think for me, the main problems are, number one, the soundstage that passes for Dino Hatton is way too big and they film it from too far away. So it's really obvious it is a soundstage. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, uh, do you know what, do you have any idea what the soundstage is or where, what else it was used for? No, what else did they use it for? Uh, it's a place called, uh, the Cement Factory. Oh. And it's also used in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the film. Oh. Okay. That, ma- that adds up. And yeah, that adds up. Terminator 2. Oh. Oh, that might add up. <laughs> yes. Mm. But, um, yeah, those films look far better because the cinematography is much better. And, like... The guy doing the cinematography um, is not a hack. His name is Dean Selmer. He's actually an Oscar winner. He won a, an Oscar for Dances with Wolves. But the problem is, look at like his kind of his all his credits. They're all very outdoor films. Ex- all, yeah, Dances with Wolves is like a super outdoors film. Yeah, like the only film he'd done before that really kind of compares to this in terms of setting and that kind of stuff is Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which also actually looks really cheap and ugly. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, it just, just doesn't feel like he's experienced enough with this kind of shoot to really hide the I hate the how they always use, you know that one bit of Dino Hatton, which just looks like a corridor? Yeah. They use that a few times. Yeah. I'm like, stop using <laughs> this bit of set. Yeah. Stop it. 
looks bad. Yeah, Do you I mean, like the um, Dennis Hopper poster else. in the background one when he's kissing the baby? You prefer that one? Oh no! <laughs> that, yeah, again, like nothing makes any sense. Like, why they vote for Cooper election posters everywhere, but they never mention any election? He doesn't seem to be There's an no election, election official. Yeah, vote yeah. for in what? Is there what? Like he's like this kind of ruler of the whole thing, but he just he just where's the opposition just party? He like he, he orders pizzas, and the pizza guy knows who he is, and like um, he, just hangs, yeah. he hangs out at the police station. They're like, yeah, whatever, just <laughs> fill your boots. <laughs> yeah. It's just so weird. Like the special effects you got into look very patchy. The physics look all wrong, especially when they're falling or doing anything in the air. It looks really fake. Mm. Yeah, they're on wires. Everything is on wires. They're bad wires, though. <laughs> yeah. Like again, we've kind of touched on it, but too many scenes were cut. Um, for instance, uh, Lena, I think her name is, like Cooper's girlfriend, says that when the, in the club scene, Iggy and Spike have been preaching Cooper's overthrow, but we never see it because apparently it was a scene where they rap. In like the club, Ooh, and it was cut out. That would have been good. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan's face. <laughs> I'm not gonna YouTube that. I just don't have any. No, it was cut of... out the film. No, but there, there's some got to be somewhere with deleted scenes on, right? Uh, you asked me whether there was a special edition version of yes. Super Mario Brothers film made. Yes, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> no, um, there yeah. wasn't the demand for anything to do with this film. Too many really dumb Hollywood tropes, like the Marys have a trick handshake. It's like, uh, as, yeah. as you said, Samantha Mathis, Daisy is a really boring, generic woman in jeopardy who keeps on being carried off and going, Luigi, hell! And, and then she like tries to fake being Sarah Connor at the end and it's, no, we still, yeah. we still don't buy it. It's like the chimp wearing the, wearing the suit, stupid catchphrases and like one-liners. <laughs> like yeah. at one point, Dennis Hopper's about to devolve Mario and he goes, I'm going to make a monkey out of you, plumber. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good pun. I, I quite like that as a pun. <laughs> there's like, there's a stupid chase scene really where a like chim- chimpanzee out. No, a, a full. Oh, yeah. Oh. There's, you know the Simpsons one anyway. Just uh, too many stupid chase scenes, like in dumb <laughs> exposition lines. Like someone goes, "It's been 65 million years since the meteorite struck." <laughs> yes, we get it. 65 million years. We know that's when it happened. Yeah, you've really Thanks. made a monkey out of me. That's what I was thinking. Of. Thanks. Also, yeah. like they all speak English, which I know is such a like generic Hollywood kind of thing, but. Again, Wouldn't I speak dinosaur? I'm talking a dinosaur accent. <laughs> but just it's it's English. No one really comments on it at all. It's <laughs> can't they just have a MacGuffin or some reason why they do it? it just it's all so dumb. There's the reasons. Mm. Um, yeah, co- in commercialism. Visible shots of brands like Reebok, oh, yeah, and Evian, which have obviously paid to be in there. Oh, Eddie, yeah. When he has to fix when he has to fix his van by just putting some water in it. Okay, well, yeah. well it's it costs so a lot of money, isn't that, that water? To be fair, it's so clever. Um, yeah, like stuff. I think I've already gone to some of the stuff I quite liked. Um, actually, he does he does make a point of how Evian is only tap water, oh, or yeah. tap water is free or something. So it's actually it's product placement, but it's also kicking Evian in the balls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I've gone to some of the stuff I quite liked. Um, I like de- the whole devolution thing as a concept. I think it's pretty cool. They don't really uh, do it well, but I thought it's a pretty cool concept for like a film and for this it's kind a of film. Concept that's not horrendous. And like, uh, I like some of the production design kind of stuff. I know it looked ugly, but stuff like when they were in prison, it just looks like a big cat shelter with like yeah. lots of kind of cages like that and everyone on the, the top of each thing. other. Yeah, the cage, that was oh, quite, yeah. yeah, that was quite, quite good. Yeah. They probably just booked out a cattery and filmed it, but they, yeah, yeah, they just filmed it in a cattery. Yeah. So the question is, what went wrong with Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> it's just everything. Yeah. Well, let's go back. The to tone. I think the tone. There was no clear tone for the film, and it was off. It was nothing like the games, or anything like what Mario, people expected Mario Luigi to be like. Would you like to know why that was? 
because any there was no one associated with this program, with this film from Nintendo. Uh, yes, you are kind of right up to a point. Um, just like a little I bit read of... a bit about this in Console Wars years ago, and I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> but they only consulted some of the Nintendo bigwigs later on, didn't they? Um, well, I, I'll go into that now. Basically, um, just like a little bit of grounding. This film came out summer of 1993, six, uh, May 93, six weeks before Jurassic Park. Wow. And, uh, this was kind of at the height of the dinosaur boom. People kind of forget that Jurassic Park didn't start the dinosaur boom. It was already kind of in full flow. Mm. You had, uh, the dinosaurs, t- dinosaurs TV series come out a couple of years ago yeah. with like animatronic dinosaurs, big hit. You had obviously Land Before Time and loads of cartoons such as, Land Before dinosaur Time. Dinosaur theme. <laughs> cartoons with dinosaurs, such as... Um, uh, Dino Riders. Correct, it? that's one. Dinosaurses would be another one. Yeah. Where um, I'm guessing neither of you are familiar with that one. Dino Babies. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> um, they did have Flintstone Kids, if that counts. <laughs> no. Yes, Dino Babies slash Flintstone Kids. And, of course, Denver the Last Dinosaur. Of course. Oh, Denver the Last Dinosaur. He's your friend and a whole lot more. He's my friend and a whole lot more. No, he's Adrian's friend, actually. <laughs> yeah. so. um, I thought of that the other day and it got stuck in my head for at least three hours. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's one trend. The other trend with this kind of hits full on is uh, the dystopian Blade Runner slash cyberpunk-influenced uh, future trend that was in 90s cinema. Um, obviously, there'd been... You stuff- know, we like cyberpunk, Rob. <laughs> and we like definitions of cyberpunk. Well, um, you know, there are kind of forerunners to this, but, uh, it, you know, it's kind of part of a wave that kind of hits a couple of years later, 1995, where you have this whole flock of films that, like, have the whole kind of look and concept, like Strange Days, Judge Dredd, Barbarella, Tank Girl, Virtuosity, and Johnny Mnemonic mm. will come out. Uh, what do all those films have in common? They're bad. No, Strange Days is alright, but okay. the rest of them are bad. You're correct. Right. Uh, they all lost massive amounts of money, which is why, yeah. <laughs> in, except maybe for The Matrix, you don't really see that kind of stuff too much mm. after that. Even The Matrix no. didn't really have that much of it. Yeah. But, you know, by this point, there have been stuff like uh, Total Recall, Demolition Man came out the same year. Good films. Mm. Yes, but Good like... Good movies. But, you know, this was a trend, the whole kind of dystopian mm. kind of alternate reality future kind of stuff. Uh, producer of the film, Roland Joffe, I think I pronounced that right. Um, acclaim He actually was an acclaimed director um, doing his trying out producing for the first time. When I say acclaimed, I mean he used to make films in the 80s like The Killing Fields and Mission City of Joy. Like films with, like that were really highbrow, serious films about serious subjects with like mm. big actors. Um, usually set in non-Western countries as well. And this was his first go of producing. And he was working with a guy called Jake Eberts, which, who I'm guessing you never heard of, because I'd never heard of him before. Nah, but, um, nah, dear, mate. he exec produced a bunch of Oscar bait in the 80s, early 90s. Chariots of Fire, Gandhi, Driving Miss Daisy, Dance of the Wolves. There you go. So, like, not directly involved with these, but he was kind of part of the kind of production, kind of like, exec process. And, uh, anyway, Joffe uh, suggested the film to Nintendo and pitched the story to the company with a spec script. Now, we were talking about uh, Street Fighter film and how kind of hands-on Capcom wanted to be and how they had a very certain idea of uh, what they wanted the film to be. Nintendo, apparently the complete opposite, had no really real interest in creative control whatsoever and were happy to kind of take the check. I think it was $2 million to get the temporary oh, rights. Oh, Nintendo. And, the merchan- and uh, basically reap the merchandising money. I mean, do, do you think this is a bad move on Nintendo's part or do you think this suggests that maybe... 
Mario was considered a stronger core character, and so it didn't really matter what they did in the film for Western audience. I thought, it, looking back, it looks odd because they were mm. so controlling over how they how they licensed things and this Nintendo seal of you know seal of approval yeah, and yeah, everything. Yeah. They were so regimented with how they did their games, and they just let this one slide. Yeah, it's not like them. For two million quid and the merchandising. It just seems way off. I, I suppose they they're probably more more uh, bothered about beating Sega in the in the actual console wars than yeah. than films. Yeah, I don't think they really had they really cared that much either way. I don't think like they really thought. When I would say like, do you think Mario is a stronger core character? I mean, I think they realised that um, Mario's character was was so big, he was really resistant to what the film would be, and they realised they really had no direct like knowledge of Hollywood films. And so probably would, I can't see them having more involvement would have really made the film any better. It would have been bad in a different way. It would have been bad in a different way. Yeah. There were too many things to correct, I think. Yeah, I think even if Nintendo had come in uh, consulting from day one, it it would still have been bad. I mean, and even after like the film came out, was quote unquote a critical and commercial failure. They apparently didn't really express much interest either way. Like, um, Mm. there was a, like a cute little post credit scene, which I'm sure you both watched. Yeah, the bit at the end of the Where film. Uh, there are yeah. two Japanese businessmen are pitching a game to, uh, they go like, oh, you know, it'd be about you brothers, like, you know, <laughs> and you're like having adventures and we're going to call it the Super Cooper Brothers. Yeah, it's like I know. And Spike. I know. Um, yeah, my housemate that's was funny. like, you think that's a bit racist? And I was like, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, that's that, Nintendo. Yeah, that, that's what Ninten- Nintendo are like Japanese that's, guys in suits. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, yeah. It's not like they're kind of, co- Bowing, going so sorry, so sorry. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like they're Japanese businessmen, like pitching I that something. I didn't, I didn't watch it to the end. Oh. There you go. Yeah. See. Oh, you missed that bit. I didn't watch the end credits. On I shame on me. So anyway, uh, get on to like the development of the script. First official screenplay is written by a guy called Barry Morrow, who'd won the screen screenwriting Oscar for Rain Man in mm. early '89. Oh god. So about three years before at this point. This is like about '92. Uh, the original script was an ex- existential drama about two contrasting brothers going on a road trip and finding themselves. So literally exactly like Rain Man. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where uh, the production staff nicknamed the script Drain Man. <laughs> Drain <Yeah. laughs> uh, next up, um, they gave it to uh, Jim Genowine and Thomas Parker to have a go. They had just done a film called Stay Tuned, which had, uh, was quite big at the time, early 90s. Basically yeah. like... This family get trapped in um, a TV station oh, run seen. by the devil, and they go into like all these different like satirical versions. Yeah, I've seen TV that. programs. Who's the main actor in that again? Charles Grodin. That's um, a guess. I've no idea. I've seen it. Um, yeah, it was all right. Anyway, um, they would go on to the Flintstones and Richie Rich after this. So no, a real one of bad quality. Movies, <laughs> bad, bad movies. And apparently, they viewed it as like a satire on fairy tales. So, uh, like, stay tuned a little bit, but um. You know, can can you kind of see a uh, common ground between these first two scripts? Yes. yes no actual interest in the original source material Nothing, whatsoever. Not <laughs> even just with what they know, isn't it? Like we, this is what we know how to write. Like, oh, yeah, Super Mario Brothers, that'll work for what we're trying to do here. At this point, a guy called Greg Beeman had been signed on as director. He'd done a film called License to Drive. No one, at, I think, under the age of forty-five has really seen that film, but um, <laughs> it's basically a Coy Hain vehicle in the eighties. Oh, Corey Haim. I think maybe Heather Graham was a love interest. Yeah. That's what it's most famous for now. I'm interested. I'm <laughs> interested. Let's watch it. But uh, <laughs> he was dropped as a director because um, his latest film, it became obvious, was going to be a big flop. 
So they decided they were going to drop him, and they got um, a couple in to do it. Yeah. Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel, a British married couple who were most famous for... MTV videos, wasn't it? They'd, they'd done a few music videos, but they were most famous for a character called Max Headroom. Oh, which... no, not Max Headroom. <laughs> oh, that guy. Oh, Ex- explain Max Headroom for people who were like my a... age or younger. He's like a computer-generated weirdo that gets stuck when he tries saying things. He's a things. TV host, right? He's a TV host, but he's like a computer-generated <laughs> thing. And they decided they wanted to do something darker. Now, around... Like, it's kind of hard looking up research for a film like this that's been made 20, 25 years ago because there's kind of some debate over timing, what mm. happened when. But as far as I can gather at this point, the uh, latest retouch of the script had been done by a couple of guys called Ian Lafrenet and Dick Clement. Do those Clement names sound familiar? familiar. Why is that? They're British sitcom legends. They created... Likely Lads, Porridge, Alfredo Zane, Pet, and Lovejoy. Oh, yeah. God. Why? Ian that, McShane, though. But, yeah, legendary in the UK, right? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, well, what? they had moved, <laughs> moved into films by this point. They'd done a film called Vice Versa. I love Vice Versa. And they did The Commitments. They I wrote don't that like with Woody Doyle. <laughs> the Commitments is not good. So, they got, you got you one of them. They get 50%. <laughs> yeah. So, you don't agree that the Irish are, quote unquote, the blacks of Europe? Oh, no. Oh, God, please stop it. No, yeah. <laughs> Rob it. It was big. Stick that's to vice versa. That's literally a line in the film. Stick, stick yeah, to vice versa. They wrote that. No, they, Roddy Doyle probably wrote that line. Anything with Judge Reinhold in, I watch it. Yeah, Judge Reinhold is underrated as an actor. Boom. Okay, Marge. <laughs> anyway, um, this version, of the, their version of the film, uh, focused on the family dynamic between the brothers and had Mad Max-style death races in the desert, and it kind of treated the Coopers as like a distorted version of the British royal family. <laughs> um. Yeah, you, you can laugh, but apparently everyone loved this version of the script. This is the version that got all like the main actors to sign on. Oh, oh, crikey. Uh, at this point, like the basically the director, this, everyone's taking Ghostbusters as the model. Yeah. Like something that's kind of dark and a bit satirical and kind of funny, uh, but also supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently Harold Ramis had been approached at some point to direct, so that's kind of an in- interesting kind of link. They should have got him. Well, I'm guessing he didn't want to do it because he was busy on Groundhog Day, which... Which is a way, a, way better film. Literally yeah. all-time classic film. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, at this at this point, the producers bring in another couple of writers called Parker Bennett and Terry Runte. They're not famous uh, remotely. Mm. Their only real credit before this was a film called Mystery Date with Ethan Hawke. I've <laughs> seen Mystery Date. <laughs> wow. I've, ne- I've never even heard of it. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I'm guessing no one has seen Mystery Date, but uh, anyway, they want to... We have one listener right now who's absolutely <laughs> oh. doing their nut because I they've will... seen it. It's, a great film. it's the best film ever! They were meant to kind of balance the darkness with some more comedy, and, and at this point, to downgrade some of the more expensive parts of the script. They thought the film needed to be funnier and more outlandish. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. anyway, the film begins shooting around the spring-summer 1992. At this point, Super Mario World would have been the last game to be released. And in Ooh, fact, strong. the concept strong. of the film was inspired by Dinosaur Land in Super Mario World. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Okay, all right. Look, sounds good. Sounds good so far. <laughs> yeah. Back and, uh, on track. Obviously, on Mario track. Kart was about to come out. Um, and we get on to casting. Mario, uh, apparently Dustin Hoffman was interested. <laughs> no. But I'm okay. guessing interested in, the, in that kind of Hollywood way where you go, okay, tell me more, and then you just ignore it. And He was interested until they, they changed it from a <laughs> Rain Man spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Danny DeVito was offered not only the role, but uh, the chance to direct. Wow, he would have been good. Because... That's who? That's Mario. He would have been awful. <laughs> what? He would have been Get worse out. than... Ho- he would have been everything like why Hoskins is unsuitable, but more so. <laughs> Just Danny DeVito as Mario. Apparently, I, d- I don't think this is reliable, but apparently Cheech Marine was approached. Cheech Marine? No? What, from Cheech and... Cheech and Chong? Oh, but yeah. also he Cheech was- from Cheech and Chong. <laughs> But also, like, he was in, like, a load of 90s stuff on, it's like, he was in Desperado. He's a barman in Desperado. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah, Dusk of Dawn and I all like that kind of stuff. I like the way he talks. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> yeah. that, that doesn't seem credible to me. Bruno yeah. Kirby was apparently considered. I think would have been better than any of them. Yeah. Bruno Kirby being Billy Crystal's best friend and When Harry Met Sally. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, he's younger, like, he... Yeah, uh, he's not aid like list, is he? He looks Billy more like Crystal it. with a moustache. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably, yeah, he probably wasn't big name enough to kind of carry a film yeah. this big. Hos- Bob Hoskins at this point is a respected actor who's mm. been in quali- quality films like Mona Lisa, Long Good Friday, uh, who's obviously made the transition to Hollywood, especially with Roger Rabbit, which at that point, one of the biggest hits of the last yeah. five years. Like, literally, it was the biggest film of 1988. Christopher Lloyd's in it too, don't forget. Yep. Uh, yeah, kind of a few back to the future links here. Yeah. Um, and he's also had supporting roles in Hollywood stuff like Hook and Shattered. Um, and yeah, his first big budget roles, like first big budget starring roles since Roger Rabbit. Luigi, I don't think this is reliable, but uh, it says Tom Hanks was considered, <laughs> but Hanks. he wasn't thought of as solid enough box office <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Me, I'm Luigi, and Tom Hanks, and Luigi. <laughs> no, but Tom Hanks, not big enough. <laughs> he's huge. Yeah. This was a uh, kind of when his career was in the doldrums. It was just before right. League of Their Own kind of put him back on the course to the big time. Uh, Leguizamo was a stand-up comic who'd never really been anywhere near the top of a big film. So I would take the whole thing about box office being a pinch of salt. Yeah. I think more likely they couldn't afford Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like, you know, Holly, they couldn't afford the extra like Hollywood. I don't uh, think Tom Hanks could have saved this. No. No. Um, Cooper, Hop- Dennis Hopper at this point. Um, he got big in the late 60s doing Easy Rider. Mm-hmm. He uh, was originally around in the late 50s. He uh, was good friends with James Dean because he was in Rebel Without a Cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> um, directed Easy Rider, became like kind of a cult hero for a few years, disappeared, got really into drugs and stuff. Came back in Apocalypse Now. He's really good in Apocalypse he, Now. He's good in that, isn't he? He was doing arty stuff throughout the 80s. Um, yeah, uh, at this point, basically taking what he can get. This is before he became like a Hollywood kind of... He got, he got his career back on track, didn't he? Realistic. Yeah, I think Speed was really kind of the big yeah, yeah. comeback thing for him. Yeah. Uh, attempted gets for Cooper. Do you want to know some of the actors who were apparently approached? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm just wondering who could think, do a good job. I think literally some of the biggest names in the early 90s in Hollywood. Arnie. Yes. Arnie would have been brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Are you shell-shocked? Could you imagine? Sly. Uh, no, but think of in 1992. One of the, no, 1992, one of the top five biggest actors in the world in 1992. Um, Michael Keaton. That wasn't who I was thinking of, but yes, he was the oh. third name. Okay, there you go. But he's a big actor then. Yeah. He was also approached and think of someone. Kevin Costner. Holy, yeah. Kevin that's Costner, yeah. An Holy amazing guess. Holy tills, he's done it. <laughs> Dancing with Wolves, baby. Dancing with Wolves, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Because Super he, Mario Brothers. <laughs> Because these are already three completely different actors who are all uns- massively unsuitable for the part. <laughs> who is suitable for these parts? Though? It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess Hopper does kind of okay, but mm. I don't think... If he didn't phone it in, if he hammed it up, 
could he, have been good. T- well, his phoning it in is kind of hamming it up for by any other actor's standards, pretty much. Maybe, um, yeah. No. He should have gone... Uh, Tim Curry could have done it, I thought. Yeah, it's oh, kind of charisma. He can do good everything. Shout. Yeah, good yeah. shout, Tim Curry. Rest He's quite dark, isn't he? And, yeah, I think maybe his voice is too high. Yeah, possibly. Like, I'm Mario. <laughs> but no, like he's. Oh, um, hello. But he is like the devil in legend. He like yeah. and he talks like this. <laughs> yeah, so Tim Curry. Yeah, that's our Tim Curry. Yeah. That's our shout. You know who the original choice choice for Toad was. Well, he's not Tim a Curry. Ro- role in it, really, is he? Tom, they wanted Tom Waits for Toad. Tom Waits? Are you serious? <laughs> I suppose they've got to have someone like musical. Tom Waits was in Hollywood by this point. He was in Dracula, right. but um. I'm guessing he didn't want to go near this. Um, <laughs> then upsetting for a guy called Mojo Nixon, who was pitched by his Mojo. agent as a third as good of, as Tom Waits, but half the price. <laughs> Which, if you've actually heard Mojo Nixon's music, is pretty close to the truth. Okay, that's bad maths, though. He's only half the price, but he's only third as good. <laughs> yeah. That's bad. Uh, anyway, getting on to this, uh, studio slash investors insist on changes pre-filming to make it more comedic and family-friendly. Mm. Much like I'm guessing they did with the Flintstones the following year. No! Like, <laughs> did it make some And like, uh, <coughs> at this point, you, you might also be able to kind of tell parallels, especially with all the different rewrites and the different changes in tone between this and another film that came out the uh, same year. 1993, also a kind of family slash action film with uh, fantasy elements. Any guesses? Uh, it starred one of the choices for Cooper. Uh, Last Action Hero. Oh. Last Action Hero. Which is, Which, again, a, a massive film. mess. I hate that What film. a mess that film is. But right. it, it is like a huge convoluted mess that's totally all over the place. Mm. And, uh, anyway, um, like, no, basically, uh, at, uh, like, at this, like, obviously the directors and the actors had signed up to do a certain script, and, uh, no one liked the new version of the script, which was continually being rewritten. <laughs> to make matters worse, uh, Ed Solomon, most famous for writing Bill and Ted, gets hired for a two-week rewrite behind the director's backs. <laughs> but, uh, by this point, all the sets for the film had already been built. All the money had already been spent. Yikes. So, um, essentially, he's writing a script for a completely different film. <laughs> Yeah, the sequel maybe. <laughs> oh dear! Like the distributors, um, you can, like we basically were Buena Vista, Disney owns. So you can kind of guess where the pressure was to make it more comedic, family friendly. That just, kind of thing was oh. coming from. Uh, yeah. Directors Morton and Jankel get the scripts just as they're about to start filming. Lit- literally, like they they didn't know what was going on. They got presented with these new versions of the script, but um, they then because once they actually got on set. They start cutting in things they like from other versions of the script, and it really starts to feel like a butchered mess. Like, uh, no one really seems to have liked to have respected these two. Like, they had no very little kind oh, the of experience. They're the yeah. partners, yeah. They'd done a film called DOA with Dennis Quaid, like a remake of a 40s film. Oh, I've it seen had, that. Yes, that it's bad. mediocre, it flopped. <laughs> but, uh, they wanted, obviously wanted to make it more of an adult film, so they kept on shooting more adult stuff, like, did a scene with strippers uh, apparently that ended up being completely cut out of the film anyway. <laughs> I told you it was sexist. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Goombas, Dylan's favourite, were originally just meant uh. to be background characters, but uh, they loved the design so much they made them a substantial part of the yeah. film. Make them dance. They loved the design of these Goombas. Oh, I just wonder like, what goes through people's we heads. We want sometimes. more Goombas and we want them to dance in unison. Now do it. Sway. <laughs> Sway. <laughs> you have to admit, it was an original design. It was so original. It reminded me of like Beetlejuice. You know the bit when they go in the waiting room, those weird creatures. I thought that was similar. That, that, that shrunken head person. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, like the Goom 
basically, uh, Dennis Hopper apparently said they wouldn't talk to each other and kept changing their minds. They said that working with Hopper was very hard because he literally, the key quote, had no idea what was going on. <laughs> At one point, uh, Dennis Hopper, like, got presented this new version of the script and hated the writing so much. He, uh, basically just screamed at the directors for three hours, including, like, oh. two hours of which Sounds came like over me lunch. in the Indian restaurant the other day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I apologize to all concerned. I mean, you can see at this point the parallels with Street Fighter, like constant rewrites, no yeah. coherent genre, inexperienced directors, and like Street Fighter, the film starts running over time and over budget because oh. they're shooting all this extra mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, they don't really know how to make anything match. Like, Copper City was meant to be there five weeks, and he ended up being there 17. Um, he be- must have been, that must have really cut no into his Caribbean time. <laughs> and because, like, uh, it's going so far over budget, scenes have to be cut because of budgetary restraints. You know what the original ending was going to be? No, not that really bad ending. <laughs> the original ending had Mario stuffing a bomb down a full-size T-Rex Cooper's throat on the Brooklyn Bridge. Wow. That would have been pretty cool, right? Huh. Hardly family-friendly, but okay. <laughs> but it would have been much better. It would have been better, but not really family. Not um, really Disney, bro. Hoskins and Leguizamo uh, realized quite early on they were in a car crash, so they start drinking themselves through filming. I heard this. <laughs> they were just mullered most of the time, yeah. weren't they? Uh, they were drinking whiskey between takes, uh, which results in various injuries. Hoskins <laughs> breaks a finger when he gets slammed into a car door, <laughs> whereas Leguizamo breaks his leg when he gets hit by a car. Wow. <laughs> There's a scene where Mario saves all the women that have been kidnapped, and they slide down what looks like a water park tunnel yeah. made of ice. Uh, but, like, s- someone had kind of jimmied it because it was going too slow and they hadn't told everyone. <laughs> so it went way too fast. And uh, one of the actors almost fell off 25 feet onto solid concrete. Oh, <laughs> that's not funny. No. They, and they actually did crash and everyone kind of hurt themselves, but not, like, not seriously. Oh, man. Just, like, bruises level. Uh, no health and safety. It's like the ice level in Mario Brothers 64. You keep slipping. Have you seen that? Ouch. One? Yeah. Oh, like don't that. mention that to, yeah, it's a bit like to our friend Dave. Dave Perry, yeah. Uh, eventually the film gets taken away from Morton and Yankel and shooting finishes without them and they're locked out of the editing room. <laughs> locked out. Let us in. Let us finish our film. So funny. Stay away. Not something that is as uncommon in Hollywood as you might think, especially with a film that's gone so far over budget and is obviously uh, a car crash. crash. Yeah. yeah. Um, how could it have been better? Like, how, what could have just made this into a made. good film? Just, just not, not, just not being, not existed. I think we discussed this previously. Making Mario into a film is quite difficult, actually. It's not a massive, huge story, really, to go with, is there? But is there with, I think, many of the things? It kind of feels like there's not really a lot with most game franchises that would really work into yeah. a film easily. I think, like, apparently there is, like, there is a really early version of the script which, um, kept, was much close to the game where, like, Luigi's in like a raccoon suit and um it's it sounds like the stupidest thing ever. Like basically Daisy is called Hildy and um Mary and Luigi sing to Cooper and like he wants to st- st- he wants to kidnap her because he, it's to get the crown of invincibility or something. Invincibility. It's just it sounds so bizarre. But um, I don't know, for me, I think the problem is the same as it used to be with comic book adaptations. Like people are embarrassed by the source material. And they don't want to do kind of the um, something that's close to the source material because they think it's stupid. But at the same time, they can't really veer yeah. too far away because it's a license. And they're like, yeah. I mean, you look at Mario. We were talking earlier on about how one, you know, people wanted to kind of make it something that appeals more to a wider audience. You yeah, said, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, you, the whole reason you're making this is to appeal to its core audience, just like you know, as they kind of refer to eight-year-olds. The gaming yeah. market 
now is way bigger than it mm. was in the early 90s. Sure, yeah. It's, they've now, they could make something more truer to Mario and it still have a massive audience. Back then, if they'd have made something truer to, you know, Mario aficionados, then they'd be struggling. They'd be struggling yeah. with viewers. Because but I think like, struggle actually, with anyway, but. I actually yeah. think the core idea was a good one. The whole kind of thing of making it more kind of edgy and more futuristic. Like, if you look at like what, you look at like the other Super SNES like ads, the Mega Drive ads. Yeah, they were all that, that kind of style. Yeah, Games they Master, were. the TV yeah. show. They were, yeah, all Games of World TV style. show. Very like, much like the kind of post industrial kind of setting. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the ideal, you know, look at Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles yeah. film. Came out three or four years off, before. Yeah, that looks terrific. I think like the filming just, it doesn't look right. Demolition Man came out the same year. The cinematography, like you said, was bad. And I think from that, it just, yeah, I mean, just kind of flowed. Hammered like, actors, you know, come on. Not enough Goombas. <laughs> I mean, oh, thanks, yeah, not enough Goombas. <laughs> in terms of the look, I think ideally you'd like something like like The Fifth Element, which came out five years later and I think absolutely nailed mm. the whole kind of like weird futuristic like yeah. kind of foreign space city thing. Yeah, it didn't yeah. take itself really seriously, even did it? But they, no, but they filmed it so well, like the Luke, mm-hmm. Luke Besson, whoever his cinematographer, director, direct, yep. uh, DP was, like everything looks, they don't show too much, so it looks kind of it's all very tight and mm-hmm. it looks really cool. Interestingly, the uh, production designer was David L. Snyder, who did Demolition Man. Oh, one of our that's faves. Disappointing yeah. to hear. And he yeah. supervised set design for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, again, a good looking film. Yeah. Like about that the and he'd worked on Blade Runner. They hired him because he worked on Blade Runner and they were like, this is beginning to look like Blade Runner. They can't really blame the budget, 50 million quid. Yeah. Can they? Um, also, I think. <laughs> it went on <laughs> the whiskey for, uh, Pop Hoskins, I think. Oh, guys, give me some nice whiskey. <laughs> also, uh, a better score, like less orchestral instruments, something like Dancy and Industrial, like Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails oh, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shout, yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. they could have done it like that. They didn't need to pander to Mario fans. It could have been something different. No, it could, could, they could have tried like a mainstream kind of, uh, thing. It just, no. Yeah, it failed. But interesting enough, um, Universal Pictures is developing a Mario Brothers film that's going to come out in uh, 2022. Oh, wow. What? Say what now? It's going to be a CGI animated film, and Shigeru Miyamoto, Mario's creator, is co-producer. Wow. Well, they've got their hands in, in, in production this time, Dil. You're excited, I can tell. I'm just, yeah, you can <laughs> see my face right now. I'm super excited. <laughs> I feel like this Super Mario Brothers film is how the, the Sonic film could go. I think it's actually very, if I could kind of point it toward one film, I think you're actually right about the Sonic. I think it's going to be a turkey of monumental proportions. <laughs> but, um, if I can compare it to one film, I think, just to wrap this up, it's Masters of the Universe. Oh, think yeah. about it. Like, no. source material, oh, they no. were kind of, they were obviously, filmmakers were obviously embarrassed by. They wanted to make a link to the, re- to quote unquote the real world. They kind of had that dark look, but they started to make it family friendly, and it mm-hmm. just came out looking weird and bizarre and made no sense. Bizarro. So basically, you wanted Dolph Lundgren and Mario Brothers. He could have been a Rice Cooper. <laughs> yeah, could have worked. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow82, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, 
where you can also leave us a review and a rating which we would really really appreciate so until next time take care and we'll speak to you soon